On a Thanksgiving episode of the Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I talk about things like machine learning, and we talk about AI, and we talk about data, and we talk about uh, Rufus's new persona on Twitter. Am I too hard on him? You guys tell me. And then we talk a little bit about what the ideal playoff structure would be in college. We give some uh, futures, look at NCAA futures. We look at NFL the Ravens and the Jason Garrett decision. Was it as bad as we think it was? And then we give picks as always. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling. Is Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Bet the Process podcast, where Rufus and I will give thanks for our shitty picks last week or someone said we were one in five last week giving picks so hopefully hopefully we can do better than that i was one in five on the tk show last week but it doesn't officially count because um i gave those picks out via twitter because they weren't able to have me on the show so it does that doesn't count right of course not yeah it totally doesn't count so i'm fine they should take those out of my record for sure um Wanted to talk a little bit about, well, one, how are you doing? Where are you right now? I'm doing well. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia at my parents' house, getting ready for Thanksgiving, avoiding having to do chores and vacuuming and everything um, by podcasting. That's, that's, what, that's the oldest trick in the book, right? When your family is like, hey, can you move these chairs around? You're like, oh, no, I got to do my podcast. Sorry, sorry, dude. Um, what about this job posting that you put up? Tell me a little bit about this. Honestly, I can't say a lot about it. Um, It's (laughs) intentionally vague at the moment um, because, well, it's actually potentially for two different things. One for... I mean, basically, you you want to have people to... You feel like there's... For an analyst. Oh, I know what you're being intentionally vague about. But, but, so I can't really get into details about it, but it, they like if, if you're interested, please send an email to rufusanalyticsteam at gmail.com and and read the posting. I didn't I, so I was much more I'm much more interested in the meta analysis of the posting. Oh yeah. Where you kind of like your persona on Twitter is now becoming like borderline douchebag. Why is that? <laughs> I thought hey, I've, be- I've become the old guy screaming at the clouds, sort of. So, I, so, you know, I love you. And so I say this with love. But the, the most recent tweet that you had about having made enough in your life to retire. That and- wasn't what it was. It was about saying that you don't need to be a, you don't need to be a PhD in statistics to be able to make it in sports. I know, but sports see, you have to, you I don't. Say- the funny part about you is that you don't realize how these things are going to sound when you say them. Well, I that did sound like a very braggy tweet. And I can, people go, God, this Rufus guy. But then, then again, people have tweeted at me and said, like, I, you know, do some card counting and I do X. And now I think I'm the best sports better in the world, which I don't really think, but whatever. Anyways, um, it's interesting, though, because I do think this is this goes back to this whole like sort of meta conversation we've had about, you know, 
what what was the reason that you said what you said about um you know having had enough money to retire just to to highlight that you've been quite successful right i, I was trying to highlight that that this has worked for me and people did say well you know what would if you know that was 10 years ago well i guess in the last 10 years would that still work for them oh that's a very interesting question and, and i said it's obviously going to be a lot harder and i think the challenge is it's going to be a challenge to be able to integrate all this new data and do it in a way that um that is logical and and i mean and you do have all these techniques these machine machine learning techniques that are becoming um much more easy for anybody to do because you have more computing power and so um i think it's it's easier to make mistakes in a way it's easy it's easy to to yeah it's easy to make huge mistakes um but it's um but at some point obviously machine learning is going to i'm if i say that machine learning doesn't work like i that it will take over at some point i think or or so okay, so so let's, version let's, of it, we'll take so, it. so this is this is good because we're basically like getting into the conversation that we wanted to get to. Yes. So you wrote, "I've been betting sports for eleven years and made enough to comfortably retire using nothing more complex statistically than ordered logistical logistic regressions and multi-level models. More complex, not equal to, not equal better. It's about processing and contextualizing the data and asking the right questions, right?" So essentially what you're saying is it's it's about and we we've had this conversation where at the core like data science the key key word there often is science right it's like actually approaching these things like a scientist um and being able to ask the right questions of the data and even just like have the right hypotheses around where advantage might lie and being able to test etc right and um, knowing right and no, having this the statistical know-how um to be able to answer some of the answer those questions Right. So the, the, the only douchey part was that you felt the need to say that you had made enough money to comfortably retire. Well, I thought comfortably retire meant like that. That doesn't mean like have a huge mansion anywhere. It means just like, I don't know. See, but to cut, <laughs> I mean, I okay, honestly though, it, it shouldn't, it doesn't take that much to be able to retire. People don't realize that. Uh, well, it depends how you invest your money, right? That's true. If you if you invest your money, this is like that whole concept of compounding, right? Compounding is is real. <laughs> you know the idea um, the idea of uh, of you know what you spend. Like I think that I was listening to this podcast where um, this guy was this podcast called Invest Like the Best, which is actually a really good podcast for anyone in the financial world. But he was talking. There was a guy that does advising uh, financial advising for a lot of athletes. And what he tries to do is make them understand how much that watch is worth from a compounding standpoint, like 20 years later. Wait, so I you think I saw a video of this on Hard Knocks. Is that right? Uh, maybe it's the same guy that was on Hard Knocks. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch Hard Knocks. I think it was last year, though, with, um, with Hugh Jackson. I just remember, because I didn't watch this year's, but, but it was maybe the Cleveland Browns defensive line or some team like meeting. And one guy was saying, explaining that to some other guy and his and his like mind was blown. He was like, damn, like, so it was, I mean, it was, anyone uh, who thinks about, you know, if you don't think about like compounding is a really hard concept for anyone to understand. I mean, even for us to understand how much, like how much, if, if we really thought about it before we made our, we would probably not purchase the things we do. <laughs> it's true. 
we would not play craps with each other late night at like two. Well, we probably would do that because we're probably too. Well, Jeff, I, I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago. And I think, I think the way I treat money now is very different than the way I did 10 years ago. And 10 years and ago. And why is that? Just because you, you, you have a lot more of it now or because you are, um, you have a different concept of money? I was way more responsible than 10 years ago. I mean, one is more risk of, do you think you're more risk? I mean, I've seen it. I've known you for how long, how long now do you think? Seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah. And, and in that time, I've certainly seen you become much more different, much different with money financially, like just in terms of how you even think about it. I remember when we first met, you were so cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always sort of thought like, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Like at some point my edges are going to disappear and I just want to have enough to be okay when that happens. Right. And so um, I guess I'm now realizing that there's other things I would be able to do. And also I like, I love, I like what I do. I, I really enjoy this. I don't want to do nothing. So, I mean, I think I want to be in a position. I've, I've always wanted to put myself in a position where I can um, do something that isn't about money. But you know, I think it's now, though, like if you go back to the, the question um, that we talked about earlier, which someone posed at you, which is the idea of that tweet the whole like uh, I've made enough money to recover without any real complex that there have been definitely phases or periods we'll say of um, sports betting where certain things would win. Right. And mm -hmm. every period has, there's been evolutions, right? Like what the, the classic Haralabob story of, of him, you know, just seeing that they were cutting up the first and second half lines um, in NBA first and second half totals in NBA evenly they were just looking at what the game total was and then cutting it up the first and, second, and seeing that trends in first and second half scoring were not even were not evenly distributed and that was enough to gain an advantage of course that wouldn't work right now so things that used to work are, are never going to continue to work in perpetuity that's that's why we fundamentally believe you know markets tend towards efficiency etc the question is now, and given the, the article that you uh, tweeted out about, um, what, what, what role or what, what you know, how, how is machine learning and, and you know, AI and that type of thing, how, what role is that going to play in sports betting going forward? Well, I think it's going to play a big role because you're going to have so much data that it's going, it's, it's going to be harder to, um, well, and at the core, right, to, so to, you know, we have a wide range of people that listen to this podcast. Of the seven people that listen, they're different in terms of their experience and whatnot. Um, some are, I think one of the guys is really good at machine learning, one of the other, and then one of the other guys doesn't know what machine learning is at all. So at the core, what do you, what, how would you say that machine learning, what, what is the big advantage that it will give um, in sports betting? Well, you, I think you can do a lot with machine learning. You can process large amounts of data. And, um, but I think the problem is that you can, it's, I'm trying to come up with a good metaphor here, um, but you can do a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing. It's like, you know, giving Donald Trump access to the nuclear codes. I don't know. Um, too soon, too, too soon. soon, too soon. But my, my point is, is that it, if anybody can press a button, I mean, think about, you could say the same thing about regression analysis and stuff like that. Back in the 1960s, you had to do it with paper and pencil and solve equations. And you actually had to understand it to do it. And now anybody can just type regress or whatever the command is in, in, um, in R. 
or Python and or LM, I guess, um, and literally just say, okay, I want to regress this variable on this. And you can violate all sorts of assumptions. You can, you can have something that really, um, that you think is, is good analysis that is so fundamentally flawed that it has no value. And so I think that is the issue with machine learning. And I think that there are people that responsibly use it. And there's people that people that understand what it can be good for. And there's people that just say, oh, mach- the computers are so smart. I just give it all of this and it spits out like this model. And I've seen like machine learning based models. You can, it, I, I mean, if you, let's say you try to create like a live win probability model just using machine learning, you can get situations where um, in trying to model everything that's happened, you end up uh, overfitting to the past and getting a model that says a team that's up seven with 30 seconds to go in a game is uh, less likely to win than a team that's up five. And which we know doesn't make sense. And so that's why I think just saying, you know, I mean, but that probably in this case might actually have the best fit. And so you want something that you do need, um, you need some sort of logic logic and, and, you know, and obviously I would say domain knowledge to understand um, what you're modeling and to make decisions about that model. And, and if you can kind of personally, I think if you can keep the machine learning in its lane and, and let it um, work within certain parameters, within certain areas, it can be really, really good. Um, I'm just, I've just, I'm not a machine learning guy. I would love to have like, you know, I, I, Wish we I should was. probably have an expert in machine learning on here to talk through this because any nuances to this machine learning piece for sports betting that I don't think it solves for, right? Which is ultimately like I think one of the most interesting things about um, sports betting going forward is where do you get a data advantage? Like where are the opportunities to get data advantage? Like if you think about the stuff that, you know, um, our friend Ted Knudsen's doing at StatsBomb, you know, they are literally having people collect data and um, creating a new event spec. And, and you know, most of the um, data that's collected right now, um, you know, you have computer vision and you have like uh, the, the stuff that um, MLB is doing, which is probably some of the most advanced data collection piece. Um, but th- those types of things, like even if you think about like shot link data, um, like, the data advantages that are that are there and then also disappear very quickly um, are are sort of some of the more interesting things to me than even thinking about like machine learning because machine learning to me, as you said, it's just a commodity. That skill set, that analysis, is a commodity. So I, I don't see that being a place where you can really gain an advantage over someone. Like if you have a better machine, if you have better like everyone that knows how to do machine learning does the same techniques. Yes. There's so many people. I, I, I 100% agree with that. So it's like, how are you? It's just like what I always say about blackjack, right? Blackjack is like such a solved problem that like, even if I were the best blackjack player in the world, that would mean that like the next best blackjack player would probably be almost as good as me or as good as me. So there's really no advantage. Would he just be a faster counter? What's that? Well, you know, he can count to 24, but you can only count to 23 or something, right? No, I mean, I think the advantage, again, the advantage would probably be in your ability to actually deploy capital, right? Being able to, it's just like the Spanky thing, right? Where Spanky basically is, you know, he believes that the value is being, having a lot of outs, right? 
in 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 um, blackjack, the the value is being able to play at a lot of casinos, and you know, even just like be able to like uh, back count and like signal someone or whatever, right? Finding all these different ways to get capital down because the actual goal, the actual ability to beat blackjack is is pretty simple. It is. Spanky had a really interesting tweet, by the way, um, the other day about about the value of handicapping versus the uh, what he's doing, which actually is very relevant. Um, he said, hold on, I'm having to go through his tweets, disappointed in some tout service. and um, He's been tweeting a lot. He's a media darling. He is. And now he wants to have, now wants to have a podcast. Yeah, you know, we should... I asked him if, if uh, he's looking for a sponsor. I said we could sponsor his podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't pay him anything, but he could yeah. just be sponsored by Beth. The no, the, actually, this brings up an interesting point, which is the question that he asked, which is why do we do a podcast? And I don't think you and I have talked about this in rec- like relatively recently on the podcast. We used to talk about it a lot more. We started this podcast with the sole goal of raising the level of conversation around sports betting because we believe that most of the stuff out there when we started this what three and a half four years ago um, was largely done by people that were selling picks and and weren't incentivized to sort of teach people how to be better betters and so when we started this obviously um, you know we all also felt like there was a lot that we needed to learn about how to do a podcast um, we, we purposefully did not take a real sponsor or anyone that would actually want editorial control over what we did or create conflicts for us, et cetera. And we just wanted to create interesting and good content. Um, and you know, we've got a point now where with the seven listeners we have, we probably have a lot of power to get a sponsor. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a thing that we're, I think we're interested or thinking more about, but again, the goal I think that we've always had is, is to just be able to provide interesting content and sort of raise the level of conversation as it pertains to sports betting. I completely agree. And I think you make a very good point about the editorial control and we don't want to, we, we want to be seen as, um, as not having conflicts of interest. Yeah. And I mean, even when we were, in the sports even, when we were even when we were sponsored by tan and we weren't really ever in our mind sponsored by tan, we were sponsored by, uh, Brian Mead. action app and Brian Mead. Um, we were critical of tan during that time and you know, no one there really told us that we couldn't be now. I think they always wanted us to be fair, which I think we always have been. Um, and last week we, you know, we, we were pretty tough on Ravel and, and the whole idea of, of making it seem really cool to do 17 team parlays or whatever, but you know, it is what it is. Um, did you find Spanky's tweet? Did I filibuster? I, didn't, I, mean, I don't know if he deleted it or something, but I, I swear it was Spanky, but it was something about the value of, of handicapping is, the value of market analysis and you know knowing where being in the technology market analysis and technology will always outweigh the value of handicapping because you know um and i thought it was interesting for because he said he's always essentially indirectly employing the best handicappers because right yeah which yeah He's like looking at, he understands how to read the market. We talked about this ad nauseum. Um, he has good information and he has, I mean, in his technology, I'm sure is from what I've heard, um, second to none in terms of in the industry. 
So one of the right. things that that guy, that the guy who talked about um, machine learning, he mentioned SimpleBet and he mentioned, you know, some of the other groups out there. There are groups out there which are very fixated on using data science and machine learning to improve pricing, specifically pricing in thin markets. Um, well, well, and Jeff, if you, if you say machine learning, like you can raise a lot of money. It's, it's one of those buzzwords that people I know, but I don't, have money I mean, here. I don't, they say, I don't, oh, yes, machine I learning. Like, I, don't, I, don't, which, I don't care about raising money. We've, we've already talked about how raising money means nothing to success on a podcast. I mean, sorry. We also say that machine learning has a different definition to different people. Some people say all I do is machine learning. Some people say regression stuff is machine learning. Other people say, no, it's, it's AI stuff. So um, it's just, it's like analytics. Anyway, sorry, continue. You were talking about um, SimpleBet and other. Yeah, so I, so, but I just wonder what the value of those types of businesses are that help companies or help sports books improve pricing. You know, like, is that, how valuable is that, right? And, you know, even like our friends at Deck Prism, that, that's one of the things they're doing. And, you know, certainly on the in-game stuff, I think it's even, it, it has some level of interest because then it gives the sports books more confidence in being able to put a market up. But some of the problems that they have are, have nothing to do with, with the actual algorithms, right? They have to do with execution. Are they getting the right data? Do they know what's happening in the what's happening in the game? Is there an injury? All that kind of stuff. And that will always make them a bit scared to allow a very liquid market. It's true. And looking at Deck Prism, you know, looking at their live lines or halftime lines, I'll see their number um, changed throughout the halftime. And I, I asked Matt, I was like, why did this change like 25 cents? And he said, um, I'd be an idiot if I didn't take into consideration what the rest of the market did, no matter how good I think my model is. I, I know that I still have to have respect for the market. And I think a lot of people that are not, that are new to this space kind of don't necessarily respect the market in the same way. And, yeah. and Matt is one of the sharpest people I've ever met. And he's been around, he's been in this industry for so long. Um, and he is humble enough to know when there's value in the market that he's not, that his model isn't necessarily picking up. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to college football. Um, last week I talked about what a non, this concept of a non-biased committee and someone took me to task on Twitter saying like, you know, I'm like simplifying that. And, and I think that's fair. I think it's interesting because it's probably with humans impossible to create a committee that's not biased. I think there's a continuum. Certainly if you don't have athletic directors from schools that are clearly going to be in the mix, it's probably good. That's, that's maybe one way to start. Um, But ultimately what, what it's, what I think it, it makes myself makes me go back to is, is something that you asked on Twitter, which is sort of like, what is the ultimate playoff structure look like? No, I, I asked. Limiting it I, wait, I asked of four teams because I knew everyone yeah. would say yes. I want eight teams, but so I was like, saying, let's, let's just take a step back and then because, like, I think the reality is with four teams, you're never going to be able to get a fair a fair number. With eight, you might be closer, right? With eight, you could do something. And let's just take in yeah. this in this exercise. Yeah. Let's just assume that there's no longer any worry about like the the students' safety from an injury standpoint, and they're allowed to play as many games as they want, and the game the season can be as long as we want it to be, etc. Obviously, this is unrealistic, but I still do think an eight team. Jeff, you said this every year. We've had no, this but, conversation so often about an eight-team playoff. You love your eight-team playoff. You would lo- even sixteen would be even better. No, no, no. But it, but the point is that you if with with if you get to eight, 
you can at least have most everything settled on the field. Right, Power Five conference champions, all that. My my question was literally the fact that if you have four, would you rather have the BCS doing this or the AP poll or this committee doing it the way they're doing? Like it doesn't matter. Is back or or some? It's all the same ranking system. Because when you, I actually read the criteria that you know in, on the college football playoff site from back in 2014, where they kind of said we want this to be nuanced and allow for you know i mean i think they don't want to incentivize teams if it's some formula they don't want some team to win a game 78 to nothing because they know that that is in their best interests with the formula right and so i think that's one reason that they want this sort of human touch to it um and that and one reason why a model isn't the best thing but i mean i still think the biggest issue is the fact that we don't know what they're actually trying to do it's some sort of combination of best and most deserving and one of the teams that'll get the best TV ratings probably. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on um, to college football. Um, I think we can skip game grades and just move into this sort of like what the latest rankings were and if there's anything interesting. I like that you post your now cast now, now that it's fairly obvious what it is (laughs) just as well as you could have. I really do think well, I but what, what's interesting, but what is interesting is that without a huge change in, in my model, it has sort of converged with what the committee's at. But so. I think it's, I, I mean, I think it's a lot easier now. I, I mean, how much, did, so you're not looking at what the committee said the week before, right? No, I'm not. So that, that, so that, that is that, that I will give you credit, Rufus. That is interesting then. Because given what the committee said the week before, I think it was relatively easy to predict what, what things would look like this week. Right. And I guess I, I had LSU and Ohio State um, off. But, but actually, I had LSU with an average of 1.5 and Ohio State average ranking of 1.6. So, it was, so you can kind of see with the tiers. Whereas- so what, what the, the most likely situation from a probability standpoint, right, is that um, LSU beats Georgia, Alabama beats Auburn, Utah wins out and Oklahoma wins out in that case, you basically are going to have, and, and obviously Ohio state and Clemson went out. So in that case, you're going to have three teams vying for that fourth spot. Utah, and, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Yeah. Right. But you know what's what happens? What that, happens? That, that is what's your having that situation. Out? Having that situation is a huge underdog still. Even though each of those legs having that well, each of those legs is a big favorite, right? Or a favorite, maybe not huge at all. Like you tell the most, is it? Isn't it? Even if it's a huge underdog, it's still the most likely outcome, right? Yes, but it's like saying, you know, if you parlay fifteen favorites, the most likely outcome is that parlay winning, or those, right? That's the most likely outcome of the fifteen outcomes, right? Right. Back to the Ravel thing. <laughs> this is so, like, so, this is no, like I think know. it's important because we all say we're all assuming, oh, if chalk holds and saying, you know, it's an underdog if chalk doesn't hold. It's a huge underdog that chalk actually holds. Got it. Um, in the, that the likelihood of something else happening is is more likely. I get it. What's what's the likely do you know what the likelihood of that chalk holding is? What the number is? I, I don't. I could look it up though. I'd be interested. Um, I'm, but, I'm listening. I mean, but I mean, we, we can do back of the envelope here. I mean, what Alabama over Auburn is 
that last time I did back of the yeah. envelope on the pod, I did it incorrectly. So, and I was multiplying numbers together that I clearly could have done on my head. I mean, I would think the the likelihood of all those holding is definitely less than 10%. So, I think the likelihood of all those things you mentioned happening is less than 10%. Um, okay. And that's especially going to be skewed by the, by the fact that Oklahoma and Utah are not nearly as likely um, to win out. But also you have Ohio State playing a tough game at Michigan. You have, um, yeah, I think I, I tweeted out about some of these possibilities and I, I thought it was actually quite interesting that how many different possibilities still exist, for, like especially um, – for some of these teams that are that are further back like you know a Baylor is still in it like Minnesota if Minnesota wins out they're in I think because they're going to beat Ohio Probably. State they will be a one loss Big Ten champ that beat Ohio State um that that I can't say for certain that they're in but um it's at least a it's at least 50 percent I would think I could look up that scenario. Um, I might have watched me have tweeted it out, and it actually turns out it's only like twenty five percent. I love it when you say things that you tweeted out are interesting. You know, you gotta you gotta stay on brand. Yeah, the douchebag brand. Is that if that's what we're becoming? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, here we go. So Baylor is sixteen percent to win out. Minnesota six percent to win out. Um, but if they do, they're in the conversation. So actually. I actually only have them 19 and 17% playoff probabilities. So, sorry, Minnesota's not in if they went out. Mm-hmm. Um, if Bama loses to Auburn, Georgia loses to LSU, and Oregon wins the Pac-12, Baylor and Minnesota are virtual coin flips if they went out. So, I think, because I think the big thing here is if Minnesota wins out, they are still going to, uh, I, I would still think the committee takes Ohio State over them. Agree? Uh, if Minnesota wins, sorry, say that again. I don't think Minnesota can, Minnesota is not going to leapfrog Ohio state just by beating them. That's just not going to happen. Probably not given how low they have Ohio state with how well Ohio state has played with the fact that Ohio state will have beaten Michigan, assuming that they beat Michigan uh, and how dominant they, you know, you know, the, what, how would you rank these teams in terms of national championship, like likelihood to win the national championship between Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson? Have you looked at the futures markets recently? Um, I haven't, but you know who I actually make the favorite there? Who it might surprise you? Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's plus 245. Ohio State's plus 175. And LSU is plus 300. So I actually have I make how about, Clemson, how about the no one yeah. the no one Ohio State's minus two fifteen that has to have value I make the no minus two thirty five Ohio State right so there's some value in minus two. one of the last two games but they're in they're in the playoff as long as they you beat either Michigan or Minnesota um, assuming that's who they play but. We, I, I really, we really have no idea how good they are right I mean Ohio I State. Think we, yeah. They're really freaking good. Yeah. I know they're good. They beat the shit out of all these big, bad Big Ten teams. But what happens at the beginning of the bowl season when all the Big Ten teams start losing and get blown out, and everyone's like, oh, maybe Ohio State's not that good. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about any team, though. I actually don't think Ohio State's the number one team in the country anymore. They're number, think- one, they're number one if you look just at in- – Who do you think is the number one team in the country? If you look at just current season play, they're number one. But – when you integrate the prior into there, um, I have Clemson is number one by a hair. Got it. 
Clemson's um, a team that we don't know as much about, though, because they have what played. Do you, what it, do you make Oklahoma right now? They haven't played anybody. Oklahoma and Alabama in the futures. Oklahoma gets a sad trumpet. Um, they are not where we wanted them to be. Oklahoma, I make plus four, or I make forty nine to one. So the no is minus forty two fifty. Get some value there on the no. Yeah, minus forty two fifty. So what about- I have them as nineteen percent to make the playoff. The big thing is that I think that they're. So the Utah's not fallen, even on the this. reason they've fallen is because they've played. They, I don't think they're as good of a team as I did earlier. They have struggled recently, and um, even if they're even if they get in, their odds are lower. So I still have them eighty three percent to win their conference championship, um, nineteen to get in. Um, Utah, I only have as fourteen percent to get in, which is way lower than the market. I realize that. Utah. Um, I make Utah 85 to one. 85 to one, huh? They're and not even on here. So no one no. cares about them. But those uh, favorites though, Jeff, I actually make Clemson only plus 216. I think that, I mean, Clemson is virtually assured to get in the playoff. Some people say they don't get in if they lose one of these games. Um, I think they're unlikely to, well, they're obviously very unlikely to lose, but if they do, they're, they are less than 50% to make the playoff. Um, but um, I, I just I, – because I, I like them a little bit better as a team than Ohio State. I have Ohio State plus 235, Clem, or LSU plus 327. And then after that, next is Alabama at plus 1195, just because I think Alabama, if they get in, they're, they're still Alabama. They are still Alabama. Okay. Um, picks this week. Picks this week. We need to do better. We do. We need to do better. I mean, everyone knows. Everyone's already chalked you up with Army. Army's. Um, I'm not picking Army this week. What? Yeah, the line's two and a half. I get it at three and a half. I'm not taking it at two and a half. Oh, sad. Hashtag sad, sad. Sad, sad. Okay, we're going to open it up with a team that we had last week, um, UCLA. I think we had them last week. I had to look at the end of the week, and I was like, I wonder if my the picks that I gave out this week actually won. So UCLA is home against Cal. Mm-hmm. That line opened around two and two and a half. It dropped all the way down to one. Jeff, do you have an update on what it is right now? I think it's I think it's one. Let it's one. I was I, I had it on the futures because I was looking at the futures. Our bearded friends on the other side on that one. Man, me and the your bearded friend are, are oppo in a few games this week. Yeah, you I are. might have to give out the other ones too, just just for. Yeah, UCLA is minus one, minus oh five. Okay, that's yeah, I like that. So a you, lot. Got, you got UCLA. I got that's a pick. That is a pick, as they say in the business. That's a pick. I, I make that line minus four. Wow. So actually, it's uh, not not a huge huge pick, but it's a pick. Hmm. Next. Uh, so my second pick, I'll take Kentucky minus three. Yeah, that's interesting because our bearded three. friend is actually on Louisville there. So I think you guys are – you guys should just cross all your bets this week. Seriously? What's going on? I, I make that line – That's very weird. I make that line minus eight and a half. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Next. Um, next, we're going to go to – 
Syracuse. Cuse. You're on Cuse a lot. Cuse. Plus, is that still plus four? Or did that drop? To, did that drop? I, that is that is one of my very strong plays this week, though. It isn't, or it is. It is. I make I make it's it plus Syracuse. three and a half. I make it Syracuse minus two. So Syracuse plus three and a half is the play here. Got it. And are we sticking with just three? Or are we going to give? Why don't you give one more? I'm going to give one that also is against your bearded friend, which is what you told me. Mm-hmm. I know which one you're going to say. Although. I want to. I want. Can you give me a line check on Virginia, Virginia Tech? I want to. Before I give this out, I want to make sure it's price worthy of it. It's oh, it's Virginia plus three now. You're getting a little line value now. Virginia plus, plus three. three minus one eighteen. It was two and a half earlier. Well, Virginia plus three minus one eighteen is the play then. All right, done. There we go. Boom. Screw you, bearded friend. Beard versus the dog. I think the beard listens, so screw you, bearded friend. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to NFL. Um, and let's talk about, hey, this Jason Garrett thing. Um, did you read Kevin Cole's tweet? I think it was actually pretty pretty good. Which tweet? He basically said that the decision for him to kick the field goal there was not nearly as, as egregious as people think it was. And, and I would have to agree with him. Well, it's because people, people say, oh, it still makes it a one-score game and you still have to score a touchdown, but there's a, di- a huge difference between going to overtime and winning in regulation. Right. Like but a, I mean, a 50% you, win probability you gave, difference. You gave him crap on Twitter about it. You gave yeah. Garrett crap about it on Twitter, so you must have actually thought it was egregious. Well, I also had a, a small New England position at minus five. Oh, I had a small um, Dallas position at plus five and a half. Okay. So, you didn't get a six? What's that? You didn't get a six? I didn't. I did it. It was just kind of like late. It was a late bet that was driven mostly by the fact that I was like this, these weather conditions and whatnot. I just, I felt like getting points regardless. It wasn't like a really analytically driven thing. So did he say it was actually, because I haven't run the numbers on this. Did he say it was a, it was the, it was still a suboptimal decision, but it just wasn't that bad. He said it was very, he said, I think he was, he was intimating that it was pretty close. Okay, and I think the 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 reason that he wasn't confident taking a law a, a real strong stand on it was that that the idea that we don't really know how less optimally or less aggressively that New England plays based on um, you know the difference between being tied and uh, being up four points. That's a good point. Right that's one of the things that's sort of hard to model for sure or hard to, you know, do the analysis. So um, again, like this comes back to this idea that so, so many people think the point of what, what Dallas needs to do is tie the game, but no Dallas actually needs to win the game. And if they tie the game, um, they're still only going to get themselves into at best a 50, 50 scenario, probably much worse than that. If they tie the game um, even too early on and, um, and don't have a chance to ever get the ball back in regulation after that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, clearly I don't think Jason Garrett's, I'm not saying that Jason Garrett is a good coach, but I'm saying that one decision um, also as someone holding um, Dallas plus five and a half ticket, it was, um, it was, it seemed like a great decision to me. (laughs) I was even hoping that he, he punt the ball when they had that fourth down later on. I'm like, Oh, you can, you can maybe stop them with three timeouts and get the ball back. So I also had a uh, New England second half position. 
I, I had some New England second half, like I, I had plus I four had minus three hundred or whatever it was. Just our to... bearded friend had Dallas second half. You guys should just cross your bets. And this is Seriously. this actually this actually goes to show this concept that the sharp side is not always the sharp side because you two guys are two of the sharpest people I know when it comes to sports betting, and you cross a lot. Like there are more than a handful of times this season where you've crossed in college football for sure and just pre-games. We're both pretty high volume though, right? A lot of plays. Uh, yeah. I would think you, the higher volume you are, the more like it says that we're both going to be wrong sometimes. And I'm sure that there's wait, times when his, are, I think there's times when his process accounts for something that, that mine doesn't or mine accounts for something that his doesn't. Yeah. Got it. That's yeah. yeah. He said he once said that if you had like a full time analyst like oh, like looking over injuries and all that kind of stuff and understanding a lot of like these um, t- intangible things that aren't in your model that it would help you a lot that he th- he thinks it could increase your ROI by a ton. Oh, I'm sure it would help a good amount. The question is how much is that worth? Versus- <laughs> he was saying a ton. So whatever a ton is, a ton is two thousand pounds. So it's probably two thousand pounds worth. We've thought about um, this for golf too, having somebody that like, you know, but I'm sort of like, I don't know, even if it makes a difference, I guess you could say if it makes a difference of like 1%, like then yes, it's worth hiring a full-time person for. Okay. Um, the Ravens. Well, wait, oh, first no. off, wait, Jason, can we also talk about the end of the game scenario with Bill Belichick and, and he had a minute and 32 seconds to go. Right. And he took a knee on first down. Which was like, I didn't, so I wasn't, wasn't watching the, that was that game, right and I wasn't watching the end of that game, and I was just hoping to death he would do this. What, what exactly did he do? So he took a knee. I saw he took a knee three times, and then no. threw on fourth down. It was like there was a running play where the guy didn't even try to get yardage. He just kind of went behind the offensive line for a little bit and went got tackled. But it was it was basically they had to just run off. I guess it was twelve seconds of clock. And on four plays and i think the, the mistake was that not taking like taking a knee on first down just you didn't run any time like it ran like a second off the clock so that was that was a mistake but overall i thought most coaches would have run three ordinary plays there because they would have yeah. said it's not under a minute 20 we can't take a knee here and i was but bill belichick and, and tom brady realized that you know it's not that hard to kill you can kill 12 seconds with four plays. Although then Brady threw uh so on fourth down, he, he, I think there was five seconds left. He, tr- it might've been four. He threw a pass to the end zone out of the end zone to Edelman, just a high ball and just trying to have that play take four or five seconds. And, and somehow it, there was a half a second left or something. And so Cowboys did get one play back, but I still think overall that approach was the correct approach to not, to not, to like run regular plays to not um we well, definitely don't want to run if you score don't too, there. if you court, score too quickly a touchdown that's probably okay um but the i guess the op- opportunity for a turnover in that kind of weather is probably too high and they probably made them completely inflate the ball so they they you know had had that going against them also i've always thought the idea of like just running backwards a long way to end the play. You, can't, you don't want to the give up the field position, right? I mean, I do think on the last play of the game, just do that. But I think the problem with that is that if there is a, if, if there's a penalty, 
if you have a penalty, it's fourth down, right? If, 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 there, if you have a penalty, I think that actually there'd be an untimed down, right? Well, from, from the original place, though. From the original spot, I guess. That's a good point. Unless it was like, if you got intentional grounding on some play like that, it would be spot a foul and untimed play. That would be hilarious. I would just love to see, for once, um, you get the fastest guy on the field on the Patriots. I don't know who that is, but just basically just run all the way back and through your own end zone and take a, like a negative 70-yard play for a safety to end the game if you had. I know who it isn't. It's not Tom Brady. Definitely not. Uh, can we talk about the Ravens? You could, you could waste like a, you could waste ten seconds on a play, possibly if you if you just if you needed to. Can we talk about the Ravens? Let's do it. So, what are the Ravens' futures now? Let's see what they are. They're the favorite now. What's that? They're the favorite. Let's see their futures. The Ravens are now plus three hundred. Holy cow! And I still show value on them there. So we gave them out. You gave them out at plus five eighty-five two weeks ago. Hopefully, everyone jumped on that. Um, well, I mean, like, so the eye test on them is interesting because you know Lamar Jackson, and I, I actually like am sort of annoyed about all these comparisons to Michael Vick because he's already a lot more accurate than Michael Vick ever was. I can't remember Michael Vick ever really standing back in the pocket and being able to deliver a, a ball with touch, you know, well, like Lamar Jackson, threw, he threw every ball like 95 miles an hour. And I think, yeah, I just don't, I mean, like, I feel like Lamar Jackson's already better than Michael Vick was. But now what's interesting is though, the one thing that I, uh, that I've been thinking about, and I don't know if this is just me looking for, you know, a reason to have some hope as a Patriots fan, but he's not throwing into very, he's throwing into like college size windows. Like, these are not – like, I haven't seen him make a throw in a small window in at least a few games that I've watched. And it's part of the offense, right? The offense is that these guys, because they can't play man-to-man on these guys, they're getting these these zone defenses where there's tons of holes in them and they've been able to pick them apart. Well, because because if, you know, you can't play coverage, otherwise – That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you on the run. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's right. it's it part of the – is the, the, the devil of, of – Lamar Jackson's talent is the reason that, you know, that, that, um, this is, um, you like the, the, so you show value on them at plus 300. What do you think the real value should be? So I make the price. I just ran some simulations plus two thirty one. I have them as the favorite in the very weak AFC now, um, 46% to make it out. Whereas the Patriots dropped to 36%. So that's, uh, to give you context a week ago, Ravens were 37% to win the AFC. Patriots were 41%. So, pretty so what, much- what's, what's the line? What's the line when they play? It's, I mean, I, I still think it's going to be New England. So mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think the line's going to be when it's in New England? Oh, when it's in New England, it should be about a pick. It's going to be pick them. It'll be some, right. It'll be minus one and a half. There's not a huge difference between minus one, one side, minus one, the other side. It's going to be somewhere around the pick range. I think right now, I mean, but that's right now, and things can change because this is going to be this matchup would be in what like seven weeks or something, right? Um, okay, um, move on to NFL picks. Anything else you want to say on NFL? Um, looking through the playoff probabilities, it was uh, yeah, unless there's any team you want to talk about for that, I mean. No, let's move on to picks. Yeah, I'm going first. Doesn't deserve a playoff team this year. I'm going first. Okay. 
I'm taking the Cowboys minus six and a half tomorrow. Cowboys minus six and a half. Okay. I'm going to take the Bills plus six and a half. Shut up. Really? I actually do. I won't, I won't have that as a pick, but I do have, actually, I bet on the Bills plus seven. Got it. Oh, you're the one that knocked it down because it was six and a half. It went up to seven and you knocked it back down. Maybe. So you got to decide who you like, Rufus or me. I'm going to take, no, I'm I'm not, because it's six and a half. It's not a play for me. It's a play at seven. Okay. Um, I'm going to take the New York Giants. If is that still plus six and a half? I'm having to so because of my parents' internet connection, which somehow yeah, it's plus six and a half minus one fifteen. I'm having to conserve internet with only one computer on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Giants plus six and a half as a home dog. Nice, seems reasonable. What's your second pick, Jeffy? Uh, my second pick will be. The Redskins plus the 10. Ooh, I like that one. Figured you would. I'm a big fan of that pick. Can you give me a, uh, I just want to make sure the line hasn't moved on Minnesota, Seattle. Plus three. I'm going to take the Vikings plus three. Mm, I like that. I feel like I'm that's a big Vikings that... fan. Kind of, I, I think I bet some Vikings NFC. No, I bet New, New Orleans. It feels like a good bet, which probably means it isn't. Because no, it's, it, def- it definitely feels like a good bet. I don't think they. I don't think the. It feels like the Seahawks are way. They have kind of hit the peak of their. If you look at you know their stock price, I feel like it's kind of at an all time high right now. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's going to be able to continue to be that high. Um, should we give a bonus NFL pick? Will give it, a bonus. Is it a joint pick or well, no. Okay, I'll, I'll give a bonus. Um, are the Chargers still minus two and a half? Minus three. Okay, never mind. No bonus. Minus three. Even. Minus three even. No, no bonus. Uh, I'm going to take the Yuccaneers. The at Yuccaneers. Yuccaneers at even. Okay. Uh, I think I think but that's it. Let's back down to let's down to pick. Yeah, at even. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. minus four. Which is not. It's not minus one plus one minus one. I, I've seen it yeah. all those places. So. So you, you're giving three, I'm giving two? I'm giving right? three, you're giving two, but you gave a bunch of college picks. This is true. And hopefully we'll be better than last week because we sucked last week. So we apologize for that. And with that, let's uh, we end the process. We'll see you guys next week. the numbers in a simulated system to break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of Reddit. 